Carrie here from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. You are listening to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. Can you please uh, say your whole name? Because I'm going to butcher. I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> I've never tried in my life. Uh, my whole, like my real whole name? I mean, yeah. Benjamin Ellis Svetislavich. Oh, yeah. There's no way. <laughs> Um, and I've known Benji for many years. We used to train in the same facility and he's like one of the most entertaining circus people I've ever come in contact with (laughs) because I, I have stories about you, but I want to save them. I want to save them. So right now I just want to, I just want to catch up on, on what you've been doing because the last time I saw you was years and years and years ago. Benji is a circus aerialist, acrobat, contortionist. (laughs) He is Russian Dominican and like just a bright sparkling light. That's how I, how I always saw him. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a dad now he's got a four-year-old and when I spent time with him, he was the flexibility coach for the U S synchronized swimming team. Am I right about that? Yes. At the time years ago, probably five years ago. And he was performing and also coaching. And I would be in the facility that we worked out together in. And it was an open gym. So, you know, I'd be teaching a class or a private and he'd be teaching a private. This one time I remember the girl was like 14, 15, 16 years old. Not that young. So here's my assumption. And I don't know if my assumption is wrong. Go for it. My assumption is that she was not one of your high level students because she was on the floor crying like a bawling. Balling, and you've got your foot on her leg, pushing her into a stretch and like yelling at her in Russian, which I don't think she understood a word of it, which is the other reason that I was laughing. So I'm like another coach in the space, and I'm watching you coach this girl who didn't look like she was at the caliber that you normally are coaching. And she's a little older too. I don't think she was that young. And my students, who are still my students now, still talk to me about that story that one day. They still are like, I never realized how nice you are to us until we met Benji. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I am nice. You see? You see? see? (laughs) Look at that. Like, you know... Because I'll, I'm not, I'm not touching my students, but if they do something bad, I'm like, you're making my eyes bleed. That was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. Like do it again. It wasn't good. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, oh, that was amazing when it wasn't amazing. It's not her. It's not helping anybody. You're the reason why my students think I'm nice. (laughs) And also basically Benji just has this, this like coaching mentality that is just so you're just, you're just, you're, it's the reason why you're coaching Team USA for, for to the save Olympics. the world from bad gymnasts and to save the world from bad <laughs> aerialists and synchronized swimmers. <laughs> <laughs> to catch you up on everything since the last time I saw you, I think I saw you at JJ's. Uh, and I was working on a cruise ship, I had a show on a Norwegian cruise line. Uh, doing an aerial show 
with my aerial partner, Curtis Hansen. Okay. And I did that for like five years. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then after that, uh, I came off the ship and then I was like, ah, I want to take a break. You know, I want to be with my kid and like watch her grow up. You know, she was one at the time when I decided to come off the cruise ship. Okay. Pretty much. I've been coaching rhythmic gymnastics for USA um, and trying to keep like the coaching lifestyle going and like get inspired again because I kind of lost a bit of uh, how you say like I lost like uh, the umph to perform to do to do all of it to perform to like everything and like I got my courage and my umph to say when I was coaching before so I kind of tried to go back to coaching to see if that would like help me out a little bit. And it has, yeah. you know, then the pandemic happened and then my daughter and I and her mom, we separated out of living our living situation. Cause we used to live together. Okay. okay. The coaching stuff happened and, you know, like I built this team that I have now to, the best that they could. And I had like girls who were winning first place in almost every competition. And then my daughter started competing and we traveled to like Florida and like Michigan at four. Yeah. So she, she, she competed three at three in San Diego and won first place out of all the level threes, which is like the lowest level. Okay. The starting level. Okay. We went to Florida this past spring to compete in a competition in Miami. And she, of course, took home the title, grand champion. And there's other four-year-olds also competing or they're a little older? They're older. She won out of 30, 32 girls. Uh-huh. What's the age range? The oldest girl was 12. So it was like four to 12. Oh, okay. Because it's like the beginning, that yeah, yeah, yeah. beginning group, but, but they could be any age. OMG. Okay. You've obviously been training your daughter in flexibility and rhythmic gymnastics since she could stand up. Oh, since she couldn't even stand up. She was standing in my hands like when she was like months. Okay. I feel like I'm, what's the word when I'm underachieving? <laughs> parent <laughs> like I feel I feel like I'm underachieving I feel like I'm an underachiever which doesn't happen very often so if anybody would make me feel that way it'd probably be you because, <laughs> like my stories and my memories about you it's kind of the same so anyways <laughs> so when she was like you know, laying there and you're playing with her, you're like molding her feet and stuff. Yeah. Right. Like I'm stretching her, her mom, like, so we had a two bedroom uh, condo and I would stay in the second bedroom and her mom would be in the master bedroom. Okay. And she would sleep with her one night, sleep with me one night, sleep with her one night, sleep with me one night. Got it. So when she was with me and her mom's a rhythmic gymnast also, she went to the Olympics for rhythmic gymnastics. Oh, wow. Okay. When she's sleeping, on mom with the tit, 
she's stretching her feet. She's like stretching her knees, making her straddle like when she's sleeping, you know? And then when she's with me, I'm like stretching her arms, stretching her feet, <laughs> her legs. So she's getting it like every day from like each one of us. It was like destined for her to be like how she is now, you know? But did you guys plan to have her? Yes. Okay. We, did you decide like... We... Were you like, I really want a kid? So I was 26 at the time and I was like, uh, kind of want to have a kid. And she's like, uh, I'm getting old. I need to have a kid. And her mom, her mom adores me. I adore her mom too. Her mom is in Israel and her mom is like, you should have a kid with Ben. And she asked me and I was like, okay, cool. And then we just decided to do it. I love it. We didn't do it, do it, but we did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, but that's amazing because other men who are in your position, they don't necessarily have the opportunity to have yeah, a, true story. a natural, you know, like their own DNA. Yeah. By the way, there is no rhythmic gymnast boys. There's no competitive circuit, right? For USA, no. Okay. But Spain and Russia... And Europe have started a trend of getting boys in the sport. And at one point, they were going to take out rhythmic gymnastics in the Olympics because it wasn't a co-ed sport. So it was right. technically okay. Sure. So now they've, they've branched out and started doing these like big events in like Europe and Spain and stuff to try and like make it co-ed. I mean, you would have you would have been right there had it been your Oh, if it you was You would have been right if, there. If it was 10 years ago, for sure. Yeah, then you would be an Olympian, but it's not in the Olympics right now. Exactly. That's, yeah, that kind of sucks. Okay. So, a lot of these little girls go through a lot of pain in their training, but because she experienced that type of stretching from two people who really knew what they were doing early on, what is that like for her? Is it, is it her body just goes there? Like, and now she just has to work on strengthening to meet it, to meet the flexibility. It's honestly, it's, it's actually really challenging for her even now because she is a bit more advanced than the other four-year-olds or six-year-olds, you know, like some of those girls are just starting. Of course, because that's kind of normal. Right. <laughs> but you don't usually start at like two. <laughs> For her, it's hard because she's working on a higher demand than her age level. So it'll always be a bit harder for her than the average of her age group. Well, because she expects more of herself. But when it comes to like, the actual physical stuff. Are you talking about the physical stuff or like the mental side of it? Physical, physical and mental. Like, you know, like we have a expectation of her because that's our daughter. Yeah. And she has to perform and she has to do things on a certain caliber versus, yeah. you know, someone that isn't my daughter, but is in the same age group. You know what I mean? I mean, you're, you're Russian. Russian Dominican. Russian Dominican. The more I do this podcast, I realize that my pre preconceived notion of what my family was like, because I'm Chinese, and I thought that only Chinese families are like that. And yeah, I'm no. wrong. 
I'm 100 and 1000% wrong. Everybody I've talked to <laughs> that gets to this high level of, of athleticism is a lot of it is similar, you know, just the expectation early on and like, you know, just fighting your whole life to stay at a certain level. It's, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because like, <laughs> I look back now at, I had this thing in the gym called you owe me. Oh no. <laughs> so like you owe me something wrong, over splits. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If someone does something wrong, they owe me. So they owe me double jumps, which is like jumping through the rope and the rope has to spin two times. Usually if you owe me, you get like 100 first off and you have to do 100 and to join back to the group, you have to do like 50 in a row without stops. If you stop, then you don't join the group. You stay on the side until you can show me 50 in a row. For my daughter, when she owes me, she owes me sit-ups. Okay. Because she she stands with her stomach sticking out all the time. So when she owes me, she owes me like sit-ups. So when we were flying to Florida to go do the competition in Florida, we were in the airport and I had made her go over like her tosses with ball and she had to do like her, you know, like dance steps with the ball and yeah. with rope and stuff. And she was looking around at everyone and she, she kept dropping the ball. And I'm like, if you're going to drop the ball, if you're going to look around at people now in the airport, you're going to look around when you get to the meet, the competition. Yeah. And you're going to drop the ball. So now you owe me two times. So if she owes me two times, she owes me 200 sit ups. We got to Miami and then we got to the hotel. She thought she was getting ready to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was like, Mila, I said to her in Russian, Mila, and she said, I'm going to sleep. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm going to sleep. And I was like, uh, no. And she goes, what? And I'm like, you owe me. And she goes, oh, can I owe you tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. You owe me for today. You you pay me what you owe me today. And then tomorrow, if you owe me again, then you owe me tomorrow. <laughs> so she gets out of the bed and she like comes, like lays in front of me and I put my legs over her legs and then she starts counting. Ras, e, dva, E3. <laughs> so oh my it, God. It, it happens everywhere. It happens like all around, you know? Benji, like when it comes to like really good podcasts, you're really good <laughs> because you're so entertaining. And then anyway, you're so entertaining. Yeah. So you were talking about how it's changed a little bit. And then after that, if you could talk to me about um, who you're coaching, like not specifically, but like what you're doing with the students now so that they can be ready for Tokyo and et cetera. You know, what's crazy is like even in gymnastics and in synchro, everything has changed. Like they up the caliber of what gymnasts and synchronized swimmers should be doing. And the flexibility, flexibility wise. that they should have. But there's also now this new thing. We had to change our curriculum of coaching and how we coach, how we stretch, you know, because of the situation with, you know, the sexual abuse in rhythmic gymnastics. 
or in gymnastics yes, okay. in general. So there's this thing now called safe sport where, you know, like we can't physically touch the kids. We can't physically, you know, or even mentally like say things that will bring them down, you know, like things like that. So it's been a lot harder since I came back into coaching to coach because when I was getting coached, my coach was like, oh, you don't want to sit in oversplit. So you're going to sit longer, you know, like, oh, if I'm pushing you and you're crying, then you obviously need it. So you're going to get stretched harder. You're going to get stretched longer. Like that's how my coaches were. And like now, right. because of the rule that was put down with safe sport, um, we can't do that anymore, you know? So it's been a bit harder to like be myself in coaching. So I've had to like change my way of how I coach but if I coach adults, it's a different story. <laughs> you know, like I, I kind of get to be like my old self, but when I'm coaching like the kids and for USA gymnastics, like even going to competitions, like even with my daughter, you know, like I can't like smack her legs, you know, like wake up, smack her arm. I can't, like, I'm not supposed to do that, which is so different from how my coach was and how I learned the sport. So that's been yeah. a bit hard that it's also taught me a different technique of coaching. Do you, do you feel like you can have figured out how to get the same results with this new style that you've had to develop for yourself? Yeah. That's why they owe me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, legit, out of all the coaches I've ever seen, the reason why, like, you make me smile so much is because, well, besides also, you're doing this with a smile on your face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you're saying it with a smile on your face. You just, like, you're just so hardcore. But the the point is, is that you cannot be at that level with uh, gymnastics and not have that type of expectation from your coach, I think. Right. I, I don't know how, how somebody would be successful without that. The girls that I've worked with, the team that I worked with, like the synchro team, some of the girls are still on the team now. That was Rio Olympics that they went to the Olympics. Um, yes. It was only a duo that went, not the whole team. Okay. The girls that were on the whole team that I worked with, it was really crazy to see because they all pushed each other, which was really nice to see. Because when I first started training them for their land training, it was so hard for them. They were crying. And these, some of these girls have, two girls, I think, went to the Olympics before already. So they're not really girls. They're ladies, you know, like. Right, right, right. One of the synchro swimmers was, I think she was like 26. She was like two years younger than I was at the time. And um, she was a Russian girl, actually. And, like, it's funny because she was the one that pushed everyone else but slacked off the hardest. And oh. I would, like, be screaming at her in Russian, like, get it together, Dubai, come on, Timosh, deal it, you know, like. And uh, she, she kind of brought everyone into this thing of, like, come on, you can do it, like, just hold it. Just do it. She she really didn't slack off, but she slacked off on her own self, which was kind of weird to me 
because she had already experienced what? like going to the Olympics and like going through the training and how hard everything was. But this was a completely different like training for her, you know? So it, it was very different to see like someone who was of that caliber mm-hmm. to act that way. And then Hi. the other girls were like being uplifted by her. It was, it was really like super crazy to me. I mean, maybe she's, maybe she's uh, really supposed to be a coach. True story. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, Okay, that's the other story I have about you. So this must have been the timing. You must have been training some people, some students at JJ's at the same time as you're getting those girls ready for the Rio Olympics. At the same time, and then before the contract going to the cruise, because then I didn't see you for years. Yeah. So I remember you telling me this story. I remember you telling me the story about you training these synchronized swimmers in, on the ground. You would set up chairs or mats. I don't remember what it was, but it would be a tunnel. It would be like mats or chairs stacked up in a tunnel, and this would be their setup for oversplits. And you would put them in one side, and as a team, they had to balance, and if one of them came out of it, the whole team had to do it again. Yes. Am I remembering this correctly? Yes. So you would... You very graphically explained to me how the girls would be in their oversplit, crying as they're in it, just barely hanging on. But I think you did like the whole thing for me. I think you got into an oversplit and did like the entire, you acted the whole thing out. <laughs> you might have done that. I wouldn't be so I loved it. No, I loved it. So, um, yeah, so you're, you, you just have... Yeah, you're just coaching these girls who are at the top of their top of their game and going into these huge competitions. So, um, yeah, your personality always just lit me up because I was. I mean, of course, I'm not on the other end of your coaching. I think maybe I'd have a different <laughs> viewpoint of it <laughs> if I was. But right now, you are training for rhythmic gym, flexibility for rhythmic gymnastics. But are you training all the other things too? Are you choreographing? Are you working with the apparatuses? Choreographing, doing apparatus, um, teaching them aerial also. And okay. Like my, my biggest thing is, is that if you're going to do something and you want to beat someone in what you're doing, doesn't matter who you are, you have to push yourself as hard as you can. Like, I didn't get to where I, I am today from feeling sorry for myself. Oh, I'm a guy. I can't do rhythmic gymnastics. No, I work now at one of the top schools in the USA for rhythmic gymnastics. You know, like I built my own. My mom told me when I told her that I wanted to do gymnastics and ballet she told me, oh, boys don't do ballet, boys don't do gymnastics, you know? So for me, like, there's no excuse. And the way you train yourself is what you're going to get out of life in general. So if you're going to give up on oversplits because it's two minutes and you're going to cry and whine and fall down, then that's how you're going to treat yourself in life in every situation that you you deal with that's hard. So that's one of like my biggest things of why I 
coach the way I coach and do the things I do when I coach. Can you talk to me about your contract on the ship? What your experience was like? Did you like doing the same act every day for that long? Okay, so everyone always gets ship life completely misconstrued. Everyone's like, oh my God, you, you know, like you're on a ship, you never touch land. And I'm like, uh, actually we touch land almost every day. You know, if we don't have a, if we don't have a port to go to, then we have a sea day, like two sea days. Okay. Wow. You know, like not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. My show that I did, I did two shows um, on my first contract, first, second and third contract. My fourth contract, we had a company called Burn the Floor come on, who hired me to do that show also and do their world tour, which was really cool. Um, cool. I was their aerialist slash learning to do ballroom at the same time. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, they actually do ballroom dancing. Uh, for the company and they do ballroom dancing for like UK's got talent and strictly dancing. Oh, strictly nice. come dancing. Yeah. So, uh, not America's got talent. Sorry. Uh, oh, dancing with the stars. Dancing with the stars. There we go. Dancing with the stars. <laughs> so, so UK dancing with the stars. I worked with them for a bit. And to be honest, like if we had a seven day cruise, I worked three days out of the cruise. I did my show the first day, uh, the second day and the last day. Okay. And that was it. I had my own cabin. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of great. Yeah. I had my own cabin. I didn't have any extra duties, which was really cool because I got to uh, like explore like the cruise, meet a lot of people and, you know, do things that people that do do like the 12 hour shifts on cruise ships don't get to do like get off the ship go out party hang out you know yeah yeah if we had like an overnight yeah. i could stay off the ship for two days you know so the right. contract itself like all the contracts that i've done itself was like amazing and great it was definitely hard when i had to do like the shows by myself there were times where like my aerial partner like hurt himself or injured himself or was sick and I would have to do the show by myself. Uh, and when we were in Australia and we were doing the Australia cruise, it was like a 10 day cruises. We would go to like Tasmania. We would go to like New Zealand. We would go to Fiji and Nice. It was hard nice. because I had to do, yeah. <laughs> it was hard because I had to do the show by myself. So I really had to be like on my P's and Q's and it was like super exhausting. So I would take yeah, like okay. the day before to like relax and like not do anything. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to hang out, you know. So I kind of like got in my zen pretty much. And then the next day would like put like everything hard, you know, balls deep to say. 
Uh, <laughs> Ball <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that. That's so funny. No, but you're really, you had to be, you had to be on point and it, yeah. and it took a little bit more than if you were on your own. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what was it about, you said you lost your passion a little bit, your fire. Is it because you were doing the same act all the time? It wasn't because I was doing the same act. I think I lost my fire just because I was, I lost my partner, you know, like my, my aerial partner and like being on the ship, you do have like a lot of restrictions. And in my head, the restrictions came with me performing. Okay. And I, in my head, I kind of like put those two things together. And that's what kind of caused me to lose passion for doing aerial and performing because I mixed the two together because it was, there were situations that happened on the ship that I was like, Oh my God, this is so stupid. Like I wouldn't have to deal with this if I was on land, you know? Um, sure. Like I, okay. You know what I mean? Like it's very militant on the ship. Like I had a lot of freedom, but it was very militant. So I'm not used to that. Okay. So I myself am like, you know, I don't like to be treated this way and, you know, like being spoken to this way. So for me, that was like a bit of a hard change from being on land and doing a show and like leaving and going home or, you know, like. Yeah, you can have your own life. You're not. Right. And then like having to be involved with like the guests is it was not an issue, but I loved it a lot. But like having to promote myself to the guests and then also having to be like a little bit behind closed doors at the same time was like a little bit hard because I'm a very open social butterfly. And I like if someone's there, they want to chit chat. I'm going to chit chat with them. They want to have a drink. I'm going to have a drink with them. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So in your mind, performing kind of got tossed into that. Yeah. Into that pot of don't like it, you know, and right coming off the ship and like being with my daughter and, you know, like I got called a, a few times to go back to the ship and I, I denied them. And then they asked me to come and do like a rehearsal period, which was like six weeks. And it was like super hard to do just because like I was not around my daughter 24 seven, like I usually am. And then like, you know, like, it's like her growing years, you know, she would call me on the phone and we would like video chat on the phone because she knows how to use the tablet at like two. <laughs> of course. I mean, after a pandemic year, my daughter knows everything about yeah. FaceTime. Uh, yeah, exactly. I can't imagine even being away from her for a day now, you know, so like I haven't actually taken any work. I haven't been offered any out of town work since she was born anyway. So it mm-hmm. hasn't really become a question. Like I didn't have to answer that question. I was on a commercial in the last month or so. And you know, when you're on set, you don't know when you're going to be out. Yeah. We had a babysitter for the first time. Because of course the pandemic, we didn't really have babysitters a lot. And my dude was at work. It was a weekday. This is the first time neither of us were home that day. And this little bean went on a hunger strike. Uh Uh-oh. 
She did not eat anything or drink anything the whole time we were gone. Oh, really? So my dude like ended up coming home from work a little early. So total it was six hours that she was with the babysitter. And now, of course, that same babysitter comes and she doesn't even say goodbye to me. She's so happy about the babysitter being there for that first time. That's literally how our nanny was. That's how our nanny, like, she sent her to the nanny um, a few days ago because she had to work in Hollywood. And she, like, was like, oh, Oksana. And then, like, Oksana's, like, trying to talk to uh, Sveta, my daughter's mom. She's like not listening. She's trying to pull Oksana to the the house, like get away from her, you know, like let's go in, <laughs> into the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time, and it's not like that's the first time she had met her, but she was just stressed because we'd never been gone that long. So now I just have her here when, when my dude has to work and then I have to work at the same time, but it's only a couple hours. I usually go teach a class or something, but um, yeah, I can't really imagine being away at this age and I might feel that way for a really long time. I don't know. I feel like you, you will, but if she's with like, it, it'll ease you more if she's like with someone that you trust, like you really trust. Cause like, yeah, totally for, for me, like I didn't want her to leave either, like to go, even when she's with her mom, but I know she's with her mom. And then like her mom is the same way with me, you know, like, when we flew out for the first time, she flew to Florida to meet like my mom and my sister and her cousin for the first time. And like, her mom was like, Oh my God, you know, like make sure you do this, make sure you do this, make sure you do this. And I was like, Sieta, do you not realize like I've been with her without you for like two days, you know, like you go out for like hours. And, Cause when I came off the ship, I wasn't working. So my bean is playing with my packets of birth control, which I'm about to start taking because I don't want a second right now. And I don't want to open it for her. And she's getting upset because I won't open this for her. Oh, is that what the screams are for? Yeah. (laughs) She's looking at me with angry, angry eyes because can I tell you, I got, I had a C-section and I can't, my abs are just so on and off when it comes to like, it's like not, it's not a straight to tra- tra- trajectory on this like conditioning back into Ariel. It's I can't just, even imagine. It's really on and off. Right now, are you training? Right now I am training only to coach the girls. <laughs> so. I'm not doing any training for myself. What apparatus do you climb when you train the girls? Uh, we're doing right now Lyra and uh, Silks. Are you feeling like, oh, I want to do this again? Or is it like, uh? I'm kind of missing the ship because I did six apparatuses on the ship. So like. It's oh, my God. That's like, why your show is so hard. Yeah. So it, it's split. Oh, between, my God. It's split between two of us. So it's three and three. But when I do it by myself, it's like six. So that's what what makes it like so freaking hard. Silks, hammock, uh, bungees, like a duo harness act that I was like holding someone out, you know? Okay. Okay. And a duo silks and then a span set act. Okay. Yeah. So you were earning your money just all at once. Yeah. 
all at the same time. I mean, I feel like that was a five-year contract. I would have gotten burnout from performing as well. Yeah. That's really easy to do. You know, that's, that's, that's yeah. a job. That's, you know, I would never say I'm not performing anymore, but just the amount of jobs that come to me that are not, that are performing are less than before, especially because I was mostly a dancer and then performing Ariel was like, you know, it was later in my career. Yeah. So, you know, I'm teaching, ugh, I'm teaching six days a week. I'm sure you're kind of the same. And so I, I don't train on my own very often either. I just demo for them, warm yeah, up with yeah. them, stretch with them. Yeah. I think that's common for somebody like you or me, who's coaching like, so much. Like I'm doing enough to keep myself in shape, but like I lost a lot of muscle and like a lot of like, like I weighed myself the other day and I was like, Oh my God, I'm like 20 pounds lighter than I was when I was on the ship because I was like, <sighs> you know, like doing like freaking aerial every day, you know, cause I would rehearse and like practice myself every day, you know, now I'm like, um, I'm just going to chillax today or I'm going to go have a drink. I'm going to go to a winery, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I get it. Okay. The other story I have about you, I think maybe I have a total of three stories about you. And this is the third one. You came in to train yourself because you had a gig and you had to end it with a double or triple open star. But it was on your opposite side. Yes. yes. It was not oh your God, dominant was, side. Oh my God, Do you remember this? In, yes. It was with Rope in Vegas. And it was for uh, Argon. Arbon. This company that does like the facial stuff and like skincare. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So it was an industrial. Yeah, and we were at the uh, MGM in this this I don't know stadium. I don't know how you call it. It was like uh, it seats like sixteen thousand people or something. Yeah, and the uh, the arena, like the, the arena, arena. Yeah, where they do the boxing. Um, yeah, and. The person who set the choreography was someone who does something on the left side. Oh, no, she does it on the right side and I do it on the left side. Right. Okay. They were telling us that we all had to do like the, the drop the same exact way. And I said, what if I do it on the other side? And the person, the director was like, no, you have to do it on this side. And in my head, I just could not get it together. What is your thoughts on that, though? Because my thoughts is it's 3D, it's aerial. It doesn't matter which side you drop from as long as you're doing the same. To be honest, I was really annoyed. Thing. I was really annoyed because <laughs> it didn't matter which yeah, side. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I see it. It didn't matter. It, and what's what was crazy about it was we also were like 200 feet away from each other. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, it was like so stupid. And I freaked out about it. And I was like going crazy. And we got to the the venue. And then he goes, uh, I guess there was like two other, because there was four of us, four aerialists. And I guess the the other two were very uncomfortable with trying to do it also. Because the height was like 50 feet. 
and they didn't feel comfortable with doing it. And we were in the green room and we all came together. And even the girl who did the choreography, she was like, listen, if you guys want to do it on the other side, do it on the other side. So we went to him and we told him, hey, we don't feel comfortable with doing it on the other side. You know, like, can we do it this way on our own side? And then he changed everything and goes, just freestyle for like, uh, Shut up! Five minutes, and I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" I was like, literally, like crapping myself because I was like, "I need a that." That was the only thing in my head that I was worried about. Like, I was like, "Of course," freaking out about it, and I just wanted to make sure, like, I got it right. I didn't get stuck in the costume, you know, like because that's happened to me before yeah. in Canada. So I was just like freaking out, you know, and. Then he comes to us and he's like, I heard that there's like some concerns about doing the drop on the opposite side. You know, don't, 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 don't freak out, you know, like just, we're going to freestyle for five minutes. And I was like, first of all, like you didn't need to do that. Just seen rehearsals. (laughs) 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 wait hold on i have a question this dude with the director was he an aerialist no he he wasn't an aerialist but he was an actor okay so he knew was it just his preference that he thought that being on the same side would would read to the audience i've worked with him before in china and he was a bit his weird like I want this. And then he would say, okay, no, I don't want that. And then it would be something else. Okay. Preferences that were, didn't, didn't make sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was just, I was like, okay, you know, like, I'm just going to do it because like, this is what he wants and it is a job, you know, my boss. Sure. No, I've been in that position too, where the choreographer, you know, does a whole hip key sequence, but is a left hip keyer. And then they're like, you have to do a left too. I'm like, but, but th- why, you know, yeah. <laughs> especially if there's, you know, you know, sometimes for these gigs, you're just like, it's a one rehearsal and then you do it, you know? Right. Right. Do it the best you can. Right. But yeah. so when I had, I literally love that. I can't remember anything from today. Like my mom brain is on, on 10 recently. Like I accidentally washed a diaper the other day in the washer. <laughs> just imagine. So not poopy, just pee, but like, you know, all the stuff inside. Yeah. This, the stuff that catches all everything. That becomes this like gel, like expansive, like foam, like all over the inside of the, the tumbler and then all over everything because, you know, it was my laundry basket in the bathroom and I would like strip her down, put her in the shower. And I did this for a couple of days. And of course I would usually go strip her down then put the diaper in the, in the wastebasket. I forgot it didn't happen. So this is what's been happening in my brain lately, but somehow I can reach back into my brain and remember the three times that you came in the gym and I was laughing. So shovel it out. Shovel it out. But I remember you coming in for this one thing and it was an open star. Cause if it was a closed star, you would have been fine. You would have yeah. been like, whatever. I don't have to save my life at the end of it. And I remember laying on the floor and I think I was trying to respect the fact that you're doing it. But I was like, why is he? I was like, why? <laughs> like, why are you putting yourself through this? 
<laughs> but I didn't want to like, you know, like, you know, you're like doing your thing. I didn't want to be like, I don't understand why you're putting yourself through this. Yeah. Benji is just like a joy to be around and like <laughs> so talented and just so great in the air. Just so great hand balancing everything. Um, but I would not want to be his student to be honest. <laughs> But I'm also not trying to go to the Olympics. True story, true story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I wanted to be, like, on music videos and on tour and stuff and dance. I didn't, you know, I, I have different goals. <laughs> okay, so I would love to wrap up with, if you have a piece of advice for, number one, the parents out there. And if you have a piece of advice for our listeners who are, keep in mind, they're they're aerialists of all ages, of all sizes, of all levels. My advice to, first of all, parents is stay on top of your kids and like don't don't give them an outlet to a way out, if that makes any sense at all. Um, if they say they want to do something and they get into like a tough spot with that something that they want to do, and they want to quit, push them past that, you know, because that's how, that's how athletes are born. That's how, you know, successful people get through things. And for like aerialists, athletes, it's going to get hard. It's going to be hard. Nothing's going to be easy. Uh, You just have to push yourself and believe in yourself even when you don't want to, I, I totally have been there. And when you don't think you can do something, you can do it. And I always tell myself, I need to do something today that scares me. And if I don't do something that scares me, then like I'm not doing the best for myself. I love it. It really resonates with me that you were going through a bit of a, I don't know if you would call it a funk creatively or just having that passion. Because for me... Yeah. There are many weeks that I'm just not inspired, but I'm coaching all the time. So I'm in the studio and I'm doing it regardless. But I think it's a real thing and it's really important for us artists to talk about how hard sometimes those, those spots are because to be an artist, you have to learn how to get through those spots. There's no, you can't just, put down a lifetime of work because you're uninspired for three weeks. Right. 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 It can be, it can evolve. It can change into something. Maybe I'll decide to pick up another apparatus or maybe I'll decide, you know, as I've already decided, I'm not dancing as much anymore. I'm doing aerial. Maybe it evolves, but I, I push through that moment of inspiration or moment of frustration because um, I, I think if I didn't, even being my age now, I would regret, I would regret not, I would regret putting the apparatus down for the wrong reason. Right. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with you on that. Being unmotivated can motivate you also in a huge way. And like, I get a lot of inspiration now for specific things when I see the girls that I'm coaching do specific things, you know, it kind of makes me go, yeah. Oh, I need to try to do this this way, you know, like, or like the way they're moving this way, like, let me see if I can do that. And then like, 
then it kind of opens up my like creativity spot. And then the creativity mindset kind of dives into like, yeah, I want to make a new act, you know, like it, it, it kind of opens like a door, you know? So that's the big reason why I went back to coaching. My mom put me in piano and it never clicked. And I quit after 10 years, but I didn't waste that time. Like I can still play now, even though it didn't really resonate with me. Not everything is going to resonate with with your kid, but if they learn how to push through those moments where they want to quit, then that will be a skill set for life. Yeah. Whether or not that thing ends up being the thing that they do. Exactly. But they learn, they will learn a life skill from that thing that they've done. Yeah. Especially as an adult. Yeah. Because out there, there are a lot of people who they've never had to push to that moment. And it really is a, sorry, a mind fuck with yeah. some adults. They can't figure anything out because exactly. they've never experienced that over time. So yeah, I, th- I feel like with, um, with artists, gymnasts, dancers, I feel like because we've been forced to do that f- for many, many years over and over, we have a, we have a perseverance that, right. that some other people don't have. I feel like a, a gymnast can do anything, an aerial an aerialist can do anything in life because of the training and like the perseverance and, you know, like the hardship that we've had to go through. Cause there's been times where I literally, like, like you said, me trying to do this freaking drop on the opposite side, numerous times I was standing there trying to do, 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 do. Like I never gave up. Yeah. Even though it was yeah. very frustrating, yeah. I never gave up. I kept going. And like, that's exactly the mindset that I've learned with doing gymnastics also, it transpires over to everyday life also. Absolutely. I think that's why it's so great for kids to be in one of those types of sports or arts because that that is not necessarily tra- so transferable to like school and math and reading. And Right. I feel like the, the physical element is such a, plays such a big part. You know, it's not just a mental game. It's all of it. It's emotional, it's mental, it's physical. It's all of it. And if you have any advice for those adult aerialists out there who, um, somebody out there who's needing some inspiration. One I want to say is never too late. I've seen, and I've coached many different adults that start as an adult and has accomplished like a lot. Super crazy. Sarah Romanovsky's husband, <clears throat> for example, I did a show with my girls doing rhythmic and he did rope for the first time. And I remember looking at him and going, oh my gosh, like he's definitely a beginner. And then now he's like an amazing rope aerialist, you know, it's never too late. Yeah, he's uh, performing for Cirque. He's p- performing for Cirque and Rub. Yeah, he's, he's with Cirque. It's never too late. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't because when you say you can't, you can't. If you can, you can. That's what my coach always told me. Did you know that Christian was just on the podcast right before yours? No, I actually did. Did I tell you that? No. I just, I just released it um, about an hour or two ago. Oh my um, God, I did not yeah. know that. That's so crazy. I literally, the gym that I work at, we did a show and he did, he did his first rope act in the show and he's definitely just started, you know, like I can tell, you know, 
And then I saw him, I want to say three to four years after. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like amazing. I was so, I'm so happy to catch up with you. You also. Yeah. It's so good seeing you and your little bean. A little bean. Yeah. I feel like um, I've just been lucky to make such great friendships over the years, but we all have contracts. We all go do, you know, like I didn't know you could have been on the other side of the world. I didn't know. Yeah. Thanks so much to Benji for joining us today. I will put his Instagram on the show notes for you as to not butcher his last name. Thanks so much to Asa Watkins for music and post-production. If you go to the show notes, there's a link there for my curated list on Amazon of aerialist picks of stuff like leotards that I really like and firm grip and show tights, all the things that you might need for your aerialist lifestyle. And if you would honor me with a five-star rating and review anywhere you get your podcast, hi, ow, say hi. Uh, It really helps others find the podcast easier. Hi. Hi. Say hi, everyone. You want to say bye? Bye. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. So, so is she learning? Is she going to speak Chinese? Do you speak Chinese here? I don't know how to speak Chinese. I tried. Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried to learn Chinese in college and oh my God, it's so hard. I'm sure. I grew up in, I grew up in Ohio. No, there's no chance. There's no way. <laughs>